All right, everybody, welcome. I'm very excited for this. Uh, this is episode one of the 2021 season of the new Cubs podcast I'm doing. I started doing it at the end of last season. I couldn't think of a name for it, so I was calling it a Cubs podcast meme later. But now I'm calling it True Blue, True Blue Cubs. For Cubs fans who are diehard loyals, on each podcast, I'll have a new guest to interview about why they love the Cubs, what they're excited about, and just all things Cubs, baby. That's what we're going to do here. And I thought of no better first guest for the 2021 season than this man you're about to hear. Now, I'm a big fan of this guy because not only is he a diehard Cubs fan, but he's a smart Cubs fan. I, I'm pretty late to the game of Cubs Twitter, kind of got into it 2018. It had been going on for a while. And I discovered this account and I thought, oh, cool, a Cubs fan who doesn't freak out when they're down to nothing in the first inning. I could get behind this guy. Then I loved the loyalty. I loved pumping morale. And I loved how hilarious he was. But most of all, I love the consistency. And I'm going to open by talking about that. But let me bring him on. He is no other than the director of morale for the Chicago Cubs, the one and only Dom Frederick. How you doing, my man? Joe, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, like I was saying before, it's been a long time coming. And I'm very excited to talk with you. Thanks for having me, especially the first podcast. Thank you. Dude, thanks. It's an honor. And again, I, I really I meant everything I said just then. Your Thank account you. is a very fun one. It's again, I love that you're 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 pumping loyalty. You're all about morale because there are so many people who and look, I we love Cubs fans. Of course we do. But yeah. they drive me insane. These accounts that I swear there are some of them. I'm like, do you even like the Cubs? You say you like the Cubs, but all I'm seeing are negative tweets from you. Yeah, I know. It's um I yeah, I mean, I guess I deal with it all the time. I feel like I dealt with it a lot more uh, when I first started doing this. And over the years, it's kind of been this transition of, you know, hate from other fan bases. And now it's uh, kind of like Cubs fans in general who are just pessimistic to begin with. And I'm honestly, you know, I know I go with a lot of sarcasm. A lot of what I do is joking. And uh, that's just my personality. But at the same time, I am a very positive guy i'm not a pessimist i'm a glass half full type of person uh to a fault uh because i feel great about the team or what's going on and you know obviously there's stretches in there kind of like what we're going through uh yesterday with the the rizzo news but overall i just feel i've always felt confident about this team i i know the landscape is a lot different in terms of when you're looking at the you know economics of baseball we are you know pretty privileged as fans to have the opportunity to have a payroll and have you know budgets and all that type of stuff and i we could get into the ricket stuff later but most of all i mean we're not the pittsburgh pirates we're not the tampa bay rays and i think that's something to be cognizant about um and then overall i just am uh when it comes to baseball i've always just been confident in i mean i'm I know I'm not playing, but I just always felt like we always had a chance of, uh, you know, we still had some outs left. And I try to speak that on Twitter. I try to be consistent with that. And for those people that have followed for a long time and do know what I'm getting at, they understand. And I think it's hard for some people who don't follow that much or just, you know, vaguely understand what I'm about. Uh, they're more pessimistic to what I do, but yeah, you're totally right. I love people that are positive. I try to produce a positive message and, uh, you know, have people enjoy the game and have fun with baseball. Well, that's, I think it's evident. I think that's why you have the followers you do and you deserve every one of them. Thank you. The thing with baseball and, you know, yeah, we're not playing it, but growing up, what I always loved about the game was, oh, we're down six, nothing in the fifth. That's okay. There's still time because yeah. really there's no shot clock, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's um, it's something that we always have to be cognizant of, especially in the playoffs. And I know I've heard you talk about it before, but it's just like that that feeling if the Cubs go down like one or two runs in the you know second or third inning and everyone's like, man, this is the worst. This is over. This is that. This is this. And it just takes the fun out of you experiencing these big moments. And I just never really liked that. I never liked the narrative of that. And I feel like it's so easy to fall into that trap. It's easy being negative, right? Because more likely than not, like your team isn't going to win a championship. They aren't going to win as many playoff games that you'd like. They're not going to be as successful as, you, as you'd as you want in the future just because that's the reality of it. Those are the odds. Um, and I feel like when you get lost in that, you lose sight of what the game's actually about and you lose sight of why you're actually watching. Um, 
you know, that's unfortunate. And I, I know there are a lot of people out there that simply want to watch the Cubs because they're passionate about the game. Uh, it's a way for them to get away from their struggles on a daily basis. And I just want to provide uh, fans with the opportunity to enjoy, you know, some type of community online that's centered around the Cubs and centered around positivity. And you're absolutely right. It drives me crazy when, you know, we're down two in the second inning and everyone's like, the world's over. It's terrible. It is terrible. And I think if anything, the mission statement of my podcast is going to be to try to get Cubs fans to be the best Cubs fans they could be. There you because go. I already, right. I already think yeah. we have the best fans, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Something that broke my heart, not to cut you off there, but something no, that good. broke my heart a little bit was that I, I thought the biggest takeaway from us finally winning it all in 2016 was that we could finally shred this. woe is me attitude that Cubs fans will have. And I remember like when we missed the playoffs in 2019, seeing tweets from people who I see tweet all the time. Some of them I follow and like, some are just, you know, your timeline and Twitter will show you people you don't like, Mm -hmm. which is an annoying feature on Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother podcast though. And I remember thinking to myself, you're really going to go same old Cubs after we missed the playoffs in 2019, they're writing same old Cubs. Say really, Mm -hmm. this has been the best era of Cubs baseball since 1906 to 1910. And just missing the playoffs in 2019 was enough for you to go right back to, well, we're lovable losers again. Oh, shucks. And I'm like, you know what? There's no room for you. And if I could drive you out, I will, because I'm either get on board and become a real fan. And look, I'm not saying don't get disappointed. I'm not saying don't hold the the front office or the, the ownership accountable. Because that's yep. another thing I like about you, Dom, is I've heard you, I've seen you show receipts to other people. Hey, you keep receipts, which I love. I think that's cool as hell and funny uh-huh. as hell. But when <laughs> people you. call you out on it, you take it on the chin, as we all should from time to time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a walking receipt. That's the whole point of it. It's like I say, I'm the most confident fan. I'm the most boisterous for a reason. And, of course, when the Cubs, like, uh, the Cubs could lose whatever uh, – you know, the first game or whatever, they, they lose the, you know, wild card game. And the next day I'm going to say Cubs and four, cause that's just my mindset. It's more of a mentality thing. It's a, it's a stick obviously. And I'm a walking receipt. All the stuff I've said about the Cubs trying to win a championship. We're going to win a championship. We're never going to lose. Like, yeah, I am that person. But at the same time, there are so many people that I find funny that you know go out of their way and they're negative at specific times or that they want to hop back onto the bandwagon when it's convenient and they don't go through the trials and you know tribulations of being a fan and being a Cubs fan and I feel I, I totally agree I think this is one of the best fan bases or the best fan base um but you know what Joe honestly the more that I've noticed is like there are so many Cubs fans out there, and it's just hard. I don't think there's ever going to be a point in time where you get everyone under the same umbrella and everyone's moving in the same direction. It's just not going to happen. I like I, I try my hardest, and I bet you're going to do a great job of it as well. But, you know, that's just how people are. They're pessimistic, and they are, you know, uh, woe is me type of people, and they make excuses. And you know what? I don't have anything against them. It's just uh, I find it ironic when they want to hop back onto the bandwagon. They want to say, oh, I was here the whole time, and I believed in this and that. And it was like, no, you really didn't. So um, it's unfortunate, but, yeah, I hopefully hopefully that can change over time, but we'll see. Yeah, you're right. And you know what, though? Guys like me and you, fans like us, we know who they are. And they yeah, could oh, act yeah. like they were there all the time, but we know damn well that they weren't there, and they don't deserve the high fives that we're going to get for always being there. I hear you. I, tr- I, I truly believe that. And, uh, again, nothing against those people. I, I think the longer I've been doing this, and I don't, get to, I don't mean to get very philosophical with you, but it's like I, I've just found that many – often you, you find fans that are going through specific things in their lives, and that carries out to what they say. And I'm trying to be less judgmental of that, but um, – but it, it definitely does wear down the fan base. It wears down the players. It wears down the organization when you constantly see negative stuff on your timeline. And fortunately, or hopefully, we can try to change that uh, in the coming future. We can. And, and last thing I'll say about the negative fan thing, because I have so much more positive things to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'm about to name drop, uh, I had Ryan Dempster on my podcast. And this is something I talked yeah. with him about, where... Do you remember in 2015, of course you remember, but the right that whole last week of the season, I remember some Cubs fans going, man, if we if Pittsburgh could lose one more game, we could mm-hmm. host the wild card game. Yep. It could be Arietta at home. 
Yep. And I was, of course, confident because it's Arietta that year and he was, you know, Church of Jake, absolutely. Yep. But there was a part of me that's like, you know what, though? I want this game to be on the road because I was having flashbacks to the 2008 playoffs when the Cubs went down four to two. You know, the Grand Slam was yep. given up. We were up two nothing, then it was four two. And Wrigley, it was game one, too. Wrigley sounded like we just got swept. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think we're ready to host a playoff game yet. I want us to beat the crap out of the Pirates on the road, then beat the Cardinals. You know, I just, at that moment, I remember thinking, I'm not, I don't think the fan base is ready. And that was heartbreaking to say, but I remember talking to some people and Dempster even confirmed it. He said the 2008 Cubs team, they felt the life get sucked out of that stadium. And it kind of, it does affect the players. So fans listening, you got to think to yourself, like if you were in that dugout, wouldn't you want the fan base to just be on their feet and, and stick up for you? You're totally right, Joe. And I think that's one of the best points I've heard you make. I've heard, I've heard you say it in the past. Um, I, I totally agree. That, that's such a good point considering, you know, uh, if something had gone wrong in that, I think it was like October 7th. I have that, that date drilled in my head, October 7th, 2015. Um, if there was something that went wrong early on in that game, and it was at Wrigley. You're totally right. The the gas would be taken out. The air, the, the air in everyone's sails would be taken out. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get up early and then kind of build that momentum from there. And then when you have Church of Jake, it was basically over. Um, but I, I totally agree. And kind of to what my point, not to toot my own horn, you know I don't do that. But, um, I mean, there's a reason for why fa- uh, players over time have, you know, uh, taken to morale or taken to like the whole message of it, because I think they appreciate um, a group of people that is trying to be positive, trying to be optimistic about the team, understanding that the game's really hard and that they're, you know, they are trying to do well, um, but it's not like we should, you know, bury them into the grave when something goes wrong and hand up. I've done it before. I've learned from uh, like with Jason Hayward, he probably hates me. And I totally understand that. Like I totally get it. And I think as I've gotten older, I've been more cognizant of that and tried to be more understanding and mindful of what I say. Um, But I think a lot of players do appreciate the, the upbeat, positive, funny, and just overall, you know, good message that we try to send. So I, I, and I appreciate their, their support as well. Which is great. Absolutely. I remember some of the Jason Hayward stuff and I, I get it too. We've all matured since then. And he's, he's a great man, a great teammate. Absolutely. My thing is I would, I only think it's acceptable. And there's only been one time where I could really remember in my mind where I felt it was acceptable to boo one of our own players. And that was when Milton Bradley chucked the ball into the stands with (laughs) only one out. Yeah. I mean, that, that was something I remember watching. I think that was on WGN that day. And it was like an I feel like it was like a Friday afternoon game or something like that. And I remember yep. coming home and watching that. Hap- it was like, was it the later part of the game? You tell me I, if my memory. I think it was like the correct. sixth or seventh. It felt okay. later because I felt like we were within. We had just chipped away at the lead, if I remember. But the it, other team still had the lead. Yeah, you're just you're coming back home. You're turning on the game. And uh, then that happens. And you're like. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I totally get it. And to, to go back to the Jason Hayward stuff, I think at the time for why I was so critical of him is because there was so much pressure on the team and on us fans really to, you know, put the best product out on the field. And at the time, I think everyone can objectively say that Jason Hayward was not suited for that moment. And there were other options they could have put out there. But to Jason's credit, He's uh, definitely grown from that. He's become the player that we thought he could be. And I hope he has a fantastic year. I love that he's a great leader. I love all the uh, causes he supports and him being just a you know, great person within that clubhouse. And I know all the players really love him. So no hard feelings to Jason. If he hates me for the rest of his life, I totally understand it. But in that moment, I was just, you know, you're, you're trying to say that, you know, guys, he, he's not the guy in right field right now. We're trying to win a World Series, and you got to make uh, harsh decisions after that. But, you know, I'm glad to see that he's uh, changed and uh, lived up to his potential. Hopefully, he can continue on this year. Yes. You've got two things there. I'm like, what do I segue to? Do I segue to the best nine talk, or do I segue to <laughs> the great causes of Jason Hayward and bring up the fact that I'm wearing your Theo's League sweatshirt right now? Oh, wow. Thank you, Joe. Of course. I love it, man. I wear it all the Thank time. You. I also bought the shirt you were doing for nurses because my wife's a nurse. Back during Absolutely. the start of the pandemic. 
Yeah, so, thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you uh, to your wife and all the frontline workers who haven't gotten talked enough. enough. I mean, I feel like at the, it was they got all the love at uh, whatever at the beginning of spring last year, at the beginning of the pandemic. And then everyone kind of forgets they've been working through this for the last year. So uh, but thank you. Yeah, dude. And amen to that. I'll, I'll let her know. I love that you've taken your the platform you've built and you've worked with players like a Schwarber and now with Ian Happ. And yep. giving back to the community. It's a great thing to see because there are so many other people who talk a big game and might, you know, build a following and just use it to, you know, spit out their bullshit. But I feel like you've used it to be like, hey, not only am I, you know, trying to get you revved up as Cubs fans, but also, hey, let's help out some great causes, too, which I think is fantastic. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. And I might go on a tangent here, but considering the last the, the couple of things that have happened over the last day or so or week. Um, I, it is something I am very passionate about and I hope people who are, you know, if you don't like me, fine. If you hate what I say, fine. If you think I'm corny, if you think I'm stupid, whatever, fine. I understand it, but at least do some type of research to really look at what I'm trying to do. Um, if I wanted to be a total jerk, if I wanted to go absolutely rogue, if I wanted to cuss and swear all the time, I could easily do that. I have the mouth to do it. But I've tried to promote a positive message. I've tried to, you know, give back to whether it be first responders or nurses or people with pediatric cancer. I'm not saying uh, I'm a saint. I'm not like I know I talk a big game on Twitter. I know my ego is through the roof on Twitter. That's the whole point. But I think it gets lost in translation over time when you don't follow and you don't, you know, really know what I'm getting at. And then you just lose sight of the whole message of everything. And that's the unfortunate part. And then when everyone else could be you, it could be someone else who follows that says, this guy's toxic, this guy's this or that. Um, when they don't know the whole story, which is incredibly unfortunate. And that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now. Um, but I, I really appreciate that. We're always going to be, uh, you know, involving charities into, you know, morale, and there's going to be an uh, announcement that we're going to make in the next, I don't know, week or so. That is honestly one of the biggest uh, morale things that we've done, and it ties directly into charity that's going to help out underprivileged kids in the city. And hopefully people don't lose sight of that and actually pay attention to what's going on. I know I'm on a total tangent, Joe, but it's something that has definitely uh, uh, struck a chord with me of late. Because a lot of people don't want to pay attention to that and just think that it's just I'm just spewing out nonsense and I'm stick, sticking my followers on other people and that I'm harassing people. Like, that's not the case at all. Um, I know I'm on a total tangent, but I appreciate the fact that you uh, have noticed that we've, we've sent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to charity since I've been, uh, you know, putting clothes on sale for the last three years. Um, tens of thousands. And um, the fact that people don't want to see that and, you know, totally bypass all the other stuff that we do. And then my message on Twitter, which was such a malign, such so benign, um, is tough. And uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Thank you for giving You're me welcome. That, that, and I'm going to follow your tangent. I'm going to follow your tangent with a tangent of my own because it is so annoying to me because I've seen, I've seen some people hate your shtick and a lot of times I'll ignore it here or there. And I only, I was late on what's going on. You had a little bit of a spat with someone, but it sounds like the two of you squashed it and then everyone else kept amplifying it, which is ridiculous. I try to, I, you know what? I might get involved in some of it, but I'm I'm trying to stay positive too. You know, I got two little kids and a lot going on myself, but yeah. I see some of these posts where I'm like, damn it, dude. Do you have any idea? I remember the first tweet I saw from you was talking about sending Edison Russell to the moon. And then, <laughs> like, for the love of God, like, how you're on the right side of history with this stuff. You're giving back to charity. And all you're doing is trying to be a different voice in a very, you know, crowded field of Cubs mouthpieces and trying to remind people, like, hey, this is Wrigley Field. This is the federal landmark. Wear a hard hat. I'm going to run down Lakeshore goddamn drive. Exactly. Excuse my blasphemy and put a C on Anthony Rizzo's chest because this is what this man deserves. And I don't understand how some people get upset by that or you know what it is, dude? There's miserable people out there and they either want you to join their misery or go away. And that's sad. And you're right. Sometimes we have to be less judgy. We don't know what the hell's going on in their world, but um, it's kind of pathetic and it's really annoying to see. 
because I'm like, what, what is this account doing that's bothering you? Unfollow or mute it, but know that this guy is doing a lot with what his platform, um, the platform he's building and he's continuing to build. You know, I mean, it would be so easy for you to just sell merch and, and pocket it all. So easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I have benefited from morale. I'm not, I'm not going to say I haven't. But I have, I mean, I've given half or more than half back to charity. And I've tried, and again, that doesn't make me a saint. I'm not saying I'm like uh, absolved of all sins. That's not what I'm saying. But to just go, just, just to totally bypass that and say, oh, this guy's hot, this guy's this, this guy's that, I think is, is naive. And you're not spending the time to actually pay attention to what's going on. And if Cubs in four, and my confident, uh, boisterous persona frustrates you, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think the lesson here is that I'll probably have to be a lot more cognizant of who I interact with on Twitter, which is sad. I've tried to say on many different occasions, don't go after people, be positive, you know, whatever. Like, like, But I am allowed to defend myself when there's criticism. I, I am allowed to stand up when people are you know, dragging my name through the mud. Um, and if that means that, you know, people are saying that I'm sicking my followers on people, like I, I just genuinely disagree with that. And it's not that I want those people to get harassed or anything like that. But when you have a large following, it's very hard to say, Hey, everyone fall in line. Like you have to say this, you have to say that it's like, people are going to go on their way, say whatever they want. People that I've never talked to before who just follow in the background and then go off and say something. And then it's my fault. Um, I guess it's something that I'm going to be a lot more cognizant of, uh, a lot more mindful of. And hopefully in the future, we don't run into these situations before. But I'll say it again. Like, I want to be inclusive to all Cubs fans. I feel like I am inclusive to all Cubs fans, no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what your life experiences are. I want everyone to be involved. And I feel like, like you said, in terms of my history, I've been very accepting of literally everyone who wants to be a Cubs fan, no matter gender, race, creed, ethnicity, whatever. Um, I've been very mindful, mindful of that. And I know I'm on a tangent that doesn't really have to do with the Cubs. But uh, again, it's just it's struck in accord with me to the fact that, you know, we build up this whole thing and then everyone tries to tear it down on something that's totally baseless that holds no water and will just they'll just throw out egregious claims like it's nothing like it's nothing just to see everything get torn down when there's no validity to it at all and it's very unfortunate and honestly like yesterday yesterday sucked having to deal with all that stuff and still dealing with it today getting blamed for everything um it sucked and hopefully it can change in the future but i'm definitely more i'm just i mean this is definitely going to change the way uh i interact with people uh, people are just going to go rogue and uh, harass others, which is absolutely what I don't want at all. Yeah, I mean, I think you did a great job summarizing what you want from that. And it's, it's anyone listening, it's squashed. Two people, yes. the two main people talked about it. There was no real, it was like a joke here or there. Like it, and everyone else took it way out of control. And if you're a follower of either parties, just let's focus on Cubs baseball and the fact that opening day is two days away. I mean, we're two recording this away, on a Tuesday, though. everyone. Two days away. Two days away. I'm pumped up for it. Um, I do want to mention, I wanted to kind of give a little tribute to Theo's league because I'm wearing the sweatshirt here. Um, what a great what a great run it was. Nine years, playoffs five times. Um, just changed the entire culture, changed the infrastructure. We, we all heard stories of how the Cubs were running things before Theo took over. We had scouts who didn't have emails. They were like, what's that? They didn't yeah. know how to text. Like, it, there was some embarrassing stuff. He's immediately changed the culture. Um, and I know you'll echo my thoughts on this. To the fans out there who um, are happy Theo's gone, I don't know what what's wrong with you personally. I don't know who hurt you. But uh, th- this is probably one of the greatest general managers in baseball history, president of operations, one of the greatest executives, let's just say that, in baseball history. And uh, I would love to see the version of a flag or a statue for Theo. I totally agree. I mean, he is the... I mean, he really gave so many Cubs fans confidence. I think that's the most important thing. It was like you always had in your back pocket that Theo was in charge. And whether it was for a good thing or bad thing, you trusted him to the end. At least I did. And I know a lot of Cubs fans did. Maybe to a fault. I think Theo would even say it himself. He made mistakes. 
And I've said that before. He's like, again, Theo's league. I know I've, you know, bolstered him up and boosted him up, all that type of stuff. But more or less, he was an awesome executive. He made a lot of good decisions. He totally changed the infrastructure for this franchise. And as a fan who, you know, can kind of nerd out on what's going on in the minor leagues and what's going on with player development and what's going on with scouting and tunneling and pitch, all that type of stuff. Um, I found it really interesting uh, to see the development of the organization as a whole and to see how they were on the cutting edge of things at times. And then I think they would even agree at other times they kind of uh, faltered to be on the cutting edge. Maybe it was, you know, not implementing the pitch lab early enough or, you know, not uh, getting getting rid of their high floor, low ceiling draft um uh, draft mindset they were going with for so long. He made some mistakes, but he also made so many great changes for this franchise. And I'm, uh, well, I'll, I will always be grateful for Theo. And hopefully, Jed can carry on that tradition. I know right now with the Theo or the Rizzo negotiations and where we are in terms of the contracts, people might not be as happy with Jed or the Ricketts family. Totally understand that, but I think we have to give these guys time. Um, and that and. With, with that being said, I think Rizzo should, shouldn't have gotten lowballed that offer. Not to go on a different tangent, but... No, overall, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, you know, I, I, he should have gotten lowballed. But the overall story is that let's give Jed some time. He has a unique opportunity to learn from Theo, to learn from his strengths, to learn from his failures. And that's a very um, critical spot to be in, considering when you have a new GM or a new front office regime that comes in, you look at them and they're going to say, well, you know what? We're going to come in and we're going to do this our own way. We're going to change it up because that's what we do. This is how we do things here. Um, Jed, he's not Theo, but he's going to have some of the same principles that Theo had. And hopefully he can learn off of those mistakes. I'm excited to see what Jed does, even if it has been rocky with, you know, the hard decisions to get rid of Schwarber, uh, Lester. Like there's been a ton of them. I understand bad news, um, but I want to give Jed some time. I support Jed. I support the front office. I always have. I always will. I'm here for their back. I am going to say when I disagree with some things, but overall, I'm here for them, and I'm excited to see what we can do in 21 overall. Yeah, absolutely to all of that. With Theo, yeah, there was mistakes. You know, Even the greatest yeah. GMs will make mistakes, the greatest front office people. I think he's the best of the last 25 years. I mean, some people might think Andrew Freeman in L.A. might have overtaken him recently. I don't think so because – Friedman inherited a 95-win team in Los Angeles, and the Dodgers have had a great farm system since Jackie Robinson. So they're kind of coming in under different scenarios there, right? Yeah. And I sure. think you're right. Jed's learned under Theo, and I do want to give Jed the benefit of the doubt on this. There's, I'm, I'm wondering, maybe I'm thinking out loud here, if there's going to be a book written one day about what exactly happened with where the spending just shut off. Because there yeah. were some moves that were made uh, prior to the 2018 season that gave the fan base the impression the spending is going to keep going and nowhere in sight. We even heard the term wheelbarrows of cash and all that kind of stuff. Then yep. after the 2018 season, everything just kind of shut down spending-wise. There were no moves made, and it's still kind of like what is going on. And then the pandemic came in, all this. Again, like you, I want to give the Ricketts the benefit of the doubt. I know they're not really doing themselves any favors with a lot of – they've made a just blunder after blunder lately. Yeah, they, yeah, they really haven't. They they have really struggled in terms of PR. I'm not gonna lie. They, no, they yeah, they definitely have. They've been terrible in PR, and, I, and we all want yeah. them to step it up. Or you know, it's, if if you can't afford to operate because you're overextended in other areas, then yeah, I guess sell the team. But they they did win a World Series. They did make yeah. a lot of improvements. Yeah. Invest in the infrastructure. They were honest up until re anyway though with the Rizzo thing. I hosted Anthony Rizzo's uh, charity event back January 30th of 2020. I'd done it once before, and it's always That's an awesome. honor, and he's one of the greatest people you'll ever meet in your life. Great family. Mom and dad got to meet them, met the missus. Wonderful. Yeah. Everyone associated with Anthony Rizzo is the best, as you'd imagine. Yeah. I almost got in, I was worried I was going to get in trouble for this because one of the notes for hosting the event, like it's a comedy show, make some jokes. They didn't yeah. want us to make any talks about like contract stuff or the payroll or any money stuff. Because at the time, you know, fans were really upset going into the 2020 season at the Cubs. I think the only guaranteed major league contract was maybe Jason Kipnis, and that might have been like a, a split contract. Yeah. Or was it? It was a minor league deal. It was a minor league deal. Yeah. No, the outfielder who I'm deal. blanking on his name because he only played like eight games with us. Yeah. I can't yeah. think of it right now. But anyhow, 
they were like, don't say anything about this. During the event, you know, there were comedians are doing jokes. They had the Second City Improv guys doing some improv stuff. Everyone's having fun. They show a video of all the work the Anthony Rizzo Foundation has done. And at the end of the video, there is barely a dry eye in the house. We're, we're talking everybody was just emotionally moved because it shows the impact that his foundation has had, all the sick kids he's been helping, and it's it really pulled at your heartstrings. And I'm I'm the host, so I have to, I'm going up in between every like thing that's going on throughout the whole thing. I go up there and I go, you know what? I might get into some trouble for this, but I don't care. Give this man a $300 million extension because like I tweeted the other day, I did. I said, I'm like, give this man $300 million because he'll probably give 80% of it to help more kids. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's another thing, too. It's just I think they're going to get it done because the backlash is getting big. Um, I saw some stuff on StubHub that like Cubs ticket prices for like they have dropped like 20 percent over the last couple of days. They're just not getting any bites. Yeah. Um, which other than opening day, the weather's going to be pretty good this weekend. It's going to be mid to high 60s. So yeah. normally people would be gobbling those up, especially since the last year we had. Um, I just think it's. To hear five years, 70, I, I'm with you. Give him five years, 108 million would be fantastic. That'd be a really cool thing. Yeah. I think no, he's I, worth it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say that even with the D, the DH is coming to the NL eventually. So I think that gives you, that should tell you, I'm sure, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know who to be upset with. Is it Jed or is it the Ricketts saying, this is what we could do? You know? Joe, I can say this for sure. I think there's, I well, I think with everything, it's always a combination of both. But I know this for sure. The front office has been described of late as savages. Guys who are just, I'm not going to say nickel and diming, but pretty close to it. And I think this is another story of that. And I and I hate that it's gotten to this point. It shouldn't happen with Anthony Rizzo. The way you described his foundation and everything going on was perfect because not only has he been a model citizen, not only has he been a, you know, a, a philanthropist and he's given so much to charity. He's been a consistent player. He shows up every day. He plays through injuries. He performs through injuries. He doesn't make excuses. He always puts the team first. He's always honest, always critical, always accountable, all these types of things. And I think the most important thing from yesterday is when you make that decision to give Anthony Rizzo a five-year, $70 million contract, which I would argue is at least $35 million, $30 million at least short of what he deserves. You open up Pandora's box with Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, all, or I'm sorry, Wilson Contreras, all the rest of the guys who are saying now, if Anthony Rizzo is going to get lowballed, where do I stand? Like Chris Bryant right now, is there, I, I don't mean to write him off, I love Chris. I hope he has a fantastic year. I still believe in him. But if you're Chris Bryant, like, does he have any hope of getting re-signed? I don't think there's any chance now after what we just saw with Rizzo. If Rizzo has to go through that, there is absolutely no chance that Chris Bryant's going to get re-signed. And that makes me even more nervous for Javi. I mean, what are they going to ask Javi? And I get Javi could be in a different situation now, considering he had a bad 2020, considering I know it's spring training, but he hasn't looked really good to begin with. It's like, where does everyone stand? And that's where this just opened up Pandora's box where, hey, everyone's on the table. There's no contracts extensions out. There's nothing signed. And we're just going to see how it plays out, which as a fan, from my perspective, personally, that's a very nervous situation to be in because you're talking trades come July. You're talking teams, you know, 29 other teams that can negotiate with these players and come up with their own deals and sweeten the pot in different ways. That's nervous. That, that's nervous for me. And I think uh, that was the, the reality of yesterday. It just opened up a whole can of worms uh, for some bad situations that Cubs fans never thought they would be in with Anthony Rizzo. I know, man. It's so depressing, dude. I just, yeah. they got to write this storm. I think of the job David Ross has done as manager and how great he looks. Like, he looks like he's going to be a guy who should manage for the next 30 years and be a top of the league manager. Yep. And hopefully, most of that would end with the Cubs. And I think about, I was thinking about Bryant because I, I said this at the beginning of spring. I'm like, I hope they lock him down. They got to at least see a forecast. There's, they're, there's like no money committed next year. They got Hayward's contract, Bodie's contract, Hendricks's contract. That's like guaranteed money. And then, yeah. of course, there's, you know, the arbitration guys and everything. 
Kimbrel's off the books after this year. There's so many. There's just what 50 million guaranteed next year. You're telling me you didn't see this as an opportunity. I bet by the end of the year, maybe by the second half, the city's going to allow at least 75% capacity. And that's just more revenue. And you got a TV network that depends on people watching the games for you to make commercial money. They're just making so many mistakes and taking they so are. many stupid, unnecessary risks. Anthony Rizzo, like we said, should be a cub for life. I thought then making Bryant a large offer would then relax him and you're going to get more production out of him. Because I do feel like KB is the type of guy that now that he's got a kid and all this other stuff, he would sign for a reasonable amount just to get it off his, you know, you know, give him a yeah. three-year opt-out or whatever if he really wants to try to go for a second big score. But take that weight off his shoulder so he could go back to being the beast he was. I, I really do think, and, and with Javi, I love Javi too. I get it though, you're right. Bad 2020, spring hasn't looked very good, neither with KB. Maybe they're going to wait and see, but at least lock down Rizzo. And then yeah. if money's that tight, you could, play hey between brian and javi who is the better 2021 and then we go all in on one of those guys um i like both of course and you got another yeah. year to wait on Contreras. yeah no i that's the unfortunate thing it's like i've never said that i think they're gonna re-sign everyone i know i've talked about it on twitter it's just me just saying you know stuff i'm trying to speak it into existence i know that's not reasonable to try to re-sign everyone and i think Realistically speaking, the fact that they've ran back this core year after year after year and it hasn't worked out, it makes sense that they wouldn't want to, you know, continue it on. They want to try to mix mix and match and find different pieces to fit together. I totally get that. But Rizzo was that mainstay. Rizzo's the guy that you're saying, you know, the production's still there. He's still doing it. He's gold glove, all this type of stuff. And it's just, I know I said it before, it's this Pandora's box that got opened up yesterday. And I hope you're right. And I, I just hope that they can find a way to get this deal done where it's not, you know, uh, just lounging out there. This storyline just lounging out there for the entire spring, for the entire summer going into October. Um, it would be really unfortunate. And it's tough. It's tough coming from the guy who builds morale all the time, who tries to build morale all the time. It's tough to build morale when you have that dark cloud hanging over your head. It's really challenging to do. And I think that's why. Yesterday, everyone was really frustrated with the news that we got about Anthony Rizzo's contract. You're right. And they better take a hammer and nail to that Pandora's box because, I mean, they're really, it's, they're flirting with disaster, you know, but let's, let's try to end, let's try to round out the podcast and some positive stuff. Again, I'm holding out hope that we never see Anthony Rizzo in another uniform. Cause like you said, I mean, this guy's the captain. He's the straw that stirs the drink. I would really be absolutely heartbroken because it's just such a, Oh man, I'm getting mad about it. Cause it's like, you know what it is? It's a Chicago bulls move. It's a Chicago yeah. bulls type thing. And we just watched a 10 part documentary of actually almost about a year ago now where we saw what a team did. Now, obviously the Cubs didn't turn out to be the bulls dynasty, but it's, you can't really do a dynasty like that in, in baseball. Anyway, it's just way too difficult and bringing back the core all this time. This goes, I hope the negative Nancy's who listen every now and then all the people who are just always, you know, going to negative town. Yeah. These were the people who were tweeting, this team sucks, break it up, break it up. And they're the same people I'm seeing now losing their minds over Nico yeah. being sent down, even though I saw them saying he deserves to be in AAA. Um, yeah. All these people who are like, blow up the team, blow up the team. And as soon as anyone from the team left, they lose their minds. That's what I don't like. I don't like the inconsistency. And that's why I'm a huge fan of your account because there is consistency and there's fun because, damn it, it's baseball. We got to have fun. Thank you. Joe, it's the Wilbons, man. It's the story. It's the story of uh, whatever it is, how long I've been doing it. No Wilbons. And um, that's what it is. It's when Michael Wilbon would come on and say, hey, the Cubs are this, the Cubs are that. I'll tell you what, you know what? And I don't mean, I know you want to wrap this up, but I think it's a good story. The no Wilbons started. I remember it vividly. I was taking the red line down. The Cubs were playing the Brewers. I think it was the Brewers. And uh, Davis. Uh, what was his first name? Uh, Davis. Uh, Wade. The closer. Wade Davis. Wade Davis. He had, remember, 2017, the unbelievable year. He comes to the Cubs and he had like the save streak. What was it, like 25 in a row or something? Like, Yeah, he ended up being like 32 for 33 the whole year, but he was unbelievable. Yeah, I think he was in the 30s because this was in September when it happened. Um Going there, riding the red line down. I'm listening to it on my phone because I couldn't make it into the game that day. Uh, and uh, Wade Davis blows the save. 
And before that, before that, Michael Wilbon, who was talking about, hey, the Cubs are doing this, the Cubs are doing that, this and that. Immediately, when Wade Davis blows that save, mind you, he had just been per- – he, he was perfect for the entire 2017 season. He says immediately after, after that game's over, he says, I don't think the Cubs have enough in the bullpen. I don't think they can win with what they have in the bullpen. Go on, which is ridiculous considering Wade Davis won us the Washington National Series and was proved to be one of the most important players on the 2017 season, which no one wants to give Theo credit for. We traded Soler for him. God bless the guy. But we know Soler was a Cub for, you know, a year or two later. People would have written him off so fast and said, get this guy out of here. We were able to get Wade Davis for him, who absolutely performed to the fullest. And Theo was smart enough not to re-sign him because we know what Wade Davis did in Colorado when he went there and blew it all up. He was he was bad, even though he was awesome for the Cubs. So it's things like that. You're totally right. It's the inconsistency and just the nitpicking of, hey, like, oh, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And they're not re-signing this guy. But then they didn't break, it, break up the team that time. And they're just – they have no idea what they're doing. It's inconsistent. It's it's. it's Full-on negativity. And again, like you're saying, like I'm saying, like many different Cubs fans have said, it's just not enjoyable to listen to, and it bears everyone down, and everyone hates it. And it's something that I try to stay away from, uh, and I will stay away from as long as I'm on Twitter. Well, you're smart for that. I need to take that advice because sometimes I do get into it with them. I remember getting into it one person. I can't remember their name, but it was like, dude, are, are you a Cubs fan? Because yeah. all I do is see you trash the Cubs. Every tweet is a negative thing about the Cubs. And then I remember when Theo resigned, he had a tweet that, again, I don't know why Twitter does this to me. I'm not following the guy. Stop showing me his tweets yeah. where it was like, good, now the Cubs can start to win again. And I'm like, first of all, we won the division in his last season, dipshit. And furthermore, th- th- your his profile picture was him with the World Series trophy. I'm like, that World Series trophy that Theo Epstein provided for you, how dare you eat yeah. his food and then complain about how it was cooked? Like, I couldn't stand that. These are the same – dude, they're just complainers. They're always going to be there. These are the same people who probably at the World Series parade was like, oh, I would have taken State Street down instead of cutting through Columbus. Yeah. Like, they're never <laughs> happy. Exactly. I hear you. And, again, Joe, I know I said it before, and I know it might be the PC thing to say, but I guess I guess it's just we should all be more cognizant of that, hey, maybe these people are going through something that we don't know about. and. I'm trying to be more understanding of that, and uh, but it, it is very unfortunate because, like I said before, it weighs on the fans, it weighs on the players, it weighs on the organization, and that doesn't mean that you don't have to hold them accountable. And I, I find it so funny when the, the people that are out there are like, it's all about accountability, it's all about telling when something's wrong. Like, I get it, I get it, but to a point, like, let's be honest, no one's won a World Series back-to-back in the last 10 years. It doesn't happen. The Dodgers might do it this year, but the Padres could easily beat them. And if the Dodgers lose, then everyone's going to say, oh, the uh, Dodgers suck. The Dodgers didn't do this. The Dodgers didn't do that. It's like it's this never, never ending, ending cycle of criticism and negativity that drives me absolutely crazy. And I am very thankful for someone like you who sees it the same way and tries to promote a positive message in your own right. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. You got it. And to put it in even more perspective, the last time it happened was 99-2000, the Yankees, which means if you were born when that happened, you can now legally drink. It's been over 21 years since a team has won back-to-back in baseball. It's very hard, and that's what makes it a great sport. We see it all the time. A bad Look, here's a message for Cubs fans. There's going to be a time this year where a bad team like the Pirates takes two out of three from the Cubs or even the Cardinals. Bad teams beat good teams sometimes in the regular season. That's going to happen. Don't jump off a ledge. But I have a, an idea of which we want to end this podcast on some positivity here. Yep. I want you to tell me the two guys you're most excited for this season to watch. It could be one pitcher, one position player, whatever you want. Two are the two guys, and I'll throw in my two guys as well. I I mean, I know we – well, there's two guys. I've been very consistent with this. Two guys that I think are the most important Cubs by far. I'm not saying the other guys aren't. I'm not saying the other their contributions aren't important. But Albert Alzale, Alzale is crucial because he is the next wave. He is part of the next core. And if he can be a guy, if he can be a solid number two, a solid number three, a guy who has shown with that new slider, with the velocity, with the changeup, that he can be a solid starter in this league, that changes everything and totally uh, 
revitalizes the outlook of this team and starting rotation moving forward. And then Nico Horner, I know he didn't make the roster, but I think, Joan, you and I will definitely agree. Like, he's what the Cubs have been looking for for so long. Athletic, middle infielder, can play multiple positions, contact, and hopefully can build off that contact and actually produce with some slugging numbers via doubles and home runs. Um, But it's huge. We've been looking for a guy for so long who's versatile, who can put the ball in play, but can also produce on top of that. We thought it was Albert Almora. We thought it was – who are the other guys? Well, I guess the Cubs really haven't had that many guys who are contact-oriented. But Ben Zobers uh, was the, the last ben guy who was Zobris good until S. things fell apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Ben Zobris-esque, right? The the guy who can make contact, have a good at-bat, like battle. When, you know, the, the Cubs do have a lot of guys who do strike out. I know it's part of the game. I, I know it's part of the league. But you, you need those type of guys who can put the ball in play. Jason Hayward, another example of that. Um, which is why he was so important in 2020. So those, and of course, Rizzo's a great contact guy. Yeah, Rizzo, absolutely, and even Chris Bryant. I mean, he's proven to be a guy who can put the ball in play. Maybe that has hindered his uh, power potential in in some ways. But overall, Nico Horner and Morale What a big tweet today! He's now the sixth uh, morale athlete on the planet, which is huge news. I really needed that tweet he sent out today, uh, which was awesome. And, uh, yeah, those are the two guys, and I'm incredibly excited to see what they can do to create and establish the next group and the next core of Cubs moving into 22, 23, and 24. Absolutely. Dude, I, you kind of stole two of my guys there. I won't I'm say Nico because you did. No, it's all right. Adbert, though, Brian Smith from um, Bleacher Nation, we had yeah. him on the Cubbies on Tap podcast. We were doing yeah. like a roundtable thing and talking about like prospects. Both of us were saying we think Adbert could be Rookie of the Year if he gets enough innings. And I'm so happy that David Ross, I think if David Ross was the one strongly pushing for him to stay in the rotation because yeah. of how nasty his stuff is. I mean, we saw what he did. The White Sox were in a must-win situation at the end of the season last year. And Al's is, and his last name is getting tough. We need a better nickname for him. Morales away. I love go. it. I love it, dude. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> he made that White Sox lineup look bad, like really bad. He was striking guys out. He had Tim Anderson swinging at stuff a foot and a half outside the zone. The yep. slider was breaking, and the Sox were scuffling toward the end of the year. So it's not like he did that against some team that was like, oh, it's you know last game of the season or second to last game of the season. No, it's last game. Either way, I've got. I love his stuff. I love his attitude. I love. Uh, his working out all off season, sharing positive vibes. Great to see. So then not to be not, I got to change it up from Nico, of course. Oh, my pitcher then will be Trevor Williams. I love that his yeah. dad grew up a Cubs fan and worked at Wrigley. Cool yep. story. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and he reminds me a lot of Jason Hamill. I know they're not exactly the same. I don't mean to uh, stereotype them by their long hair and, you know, long <laughs> lanky build, but he does really remind me of a guy who can, uh, you know, have like sneaky movement. And I know, Trevor's more of a two-seam type of guy, but Hamill kind of was too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think he can really have a bounce-back type of season. And I'm not saying the Cubs are going to have the best rotation or a dominant rotation, but they can definitely be uh, formidable and they can get outs. And I'm looking forward to it. And the fact that we should always give Tommy how to be credit for what he's done over the last year or uh, last two years, I guess, um, the way he's developed the bullpen, the way he's helped starters, the way that he's helped Morales-Alay, Hopefully can, you know, work with you. Uh, Jake Arietta. You, bad news. I mean, what am I saying? Like, all that type of stuff. He's one of the premier pitching coaches in the league, and he definitely doesn't get enough credit for it. 100% agree. So the hitter, I'm going to have to go with Jock Peterson. You yep. know, broke our heart with Schwarber. He was our left fielder. I yep. love him to death. I got a picture of me on the wall right over there. Great human being. Um, Absolutely. You know, maybe one day when the DH is here, or even when not, because I always thought he was underrated in, in the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but I love I like what Jack Peterson does because he is a different style of hitter too. Actually, since 2017, his strikeout rate has been below league average. He had a rough regular season last year, but really turned it on in the playoffs. I think he hit like 393 in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, hit a huge bomb in the World Series. I mean, he's he's a high fastball hitter too. That's a style of hitter the Cubs have been kind of missing. Yep. A guy who could take 95 at the top of the zone and belt it, right? Yep, absolutely. That's what the Cubs have been missing, and that's kind of what. I love Kyle to death. He's my goddamn left fielder. Um, Kyle could make contact at times at the top of the zone, but he didn't necessarily produce on top of that. And that's, like you said, 
what the Cubs were missing, a guy who can counteract the high fastball, the, you know, uh, high fastball with the 12-6 curveball. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm excited for him to have the opportunity to play every day, to face the lefties, to get out of uh, the, you know, plug-and-play type of style that the Dodgers ran. More power to them. But um, I'm looking forward to see what Jock can do. And I think early on, I think all the players really, really are excited about him and really like having him in the clubhouse. So it's great. That is awesome. Dude, I'm excited, man. Baseball is back. Absolutely. Smells in the air. Wrigley Field. Ivy. It's, it's springtime in Chicago. It's always such a great time of year. I usually try to watch a bunch of baseball movies to get pumped up for it. I think I'm going to pop in like Moneyball or Major League tonight. I don't know yet, but I'm going to. That's what I do. I look at it's like Christmas time for me. You know, yeah. Christmas, you watch Christmas movies. I watch baseball movies this time of year to get really pumped up. And Absolutely. And, I love it. And it's that time of year, dude. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Anything you want to close out with, uh, tell people where they could find you, you know, Morale Supply Co., all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can follow me at Dom underscore Frederick on Twitter, Morale Supply Co., also on Twitter and Instagram. I also have an Instagram, Dom underscore Frederick. Um, yeah, and I would just say uh, to the people who, I don't know, I, I know I went on that long rant earlier. I would just say the people who, are critical of what I do. Um, I would just pay a little bit more attention to the whole scheme of things and be a little bit more mindful of all the stuff that I've been about. And I feel like I've been very inclusive and I feel like I've been very understanding of, you know, whether it be social issues, what, what, what have you. Um, and I'm trying to promote a positive community, really not trying to put anyone down. Yeah. Do I joke? Yeah. Do I call people out at times? Yeah. Do I poke fun when people try to poke fun? poke fun back at me, you know, and call me an idiot, call me a loser. Sure. I have the right to do that, but it doesn't mean I'm trying, I want to harass anyone or I want anyone to be driven off this, uh, uh, website. It's just maybe to myself, like I need to be more cognizant of all the people that follow now, considering it has grown so fast, uh, especially over the last year. Um, but I hope for the people that do follow, you know, stick it out for a little while, understand the jokes, understand the sticks. And, you know, if you don't like me, fine, but I just be a little bit more cognizant of everything that's going on. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Joe, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, let's do this again soon. Uh, it's been great talking to you. I, I love your message and everything that you're all about. And you are a very uh, knowledgeable fan. And uh, I also, I know you're a comedian. I find uh, stand-up comedy fascinating. And I honestly based a lot of my stuff off of different comedians and the jokes that I like to tell. And I have a lot of respect for people like you who make it your, uh, your living. I think that's awesome. So hopefully we can talk soon and, uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Well, thanks man. We definitely got to talk soon. And if you want to come out to a show, buddy, absolutely, I'll, I'll put you on the list, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love that. That would be awesome. That's great. Everyone, Dom Frederick, the director of morale for the Chicago Cubs, make sure you follow him. And if Christian Yelich could take it, so could you let's have fun this <laughs> year. And as always go Cubs. Go Cubs. Cubs in four. I don't care who we play. Thanks, Joe. Yes, thank you. <laughs>